the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Are you ready? Because we are loaded up on this Monday morning, the very first morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. We are packed today. And uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't trade a thing. We got just such an amazing lineup of guests coming up here. Uh, I hope you're going to want to be a part of all of these conversations just by listening to start. And then if you have an opportunity at the right times to pick and choose your spots to make a phone call, uh, we have a lot of news to get to today. Coming up in a half an hour at 935, we are going to be talking with Congressman Jim Jordan, as we do each and every Monday when his schedule, of course, permits. Congressman Jordan and I will discuss the assault weapons ban that passed the House of Representatives in which he sits and is now on its way to the United States Senate. The assault weapons ban is, of course, the vernacular that they use uh, on the left, which is just part of we hate the Second Amendment, we hate guns, and we want full gun control. We don't want the American people to be able to arm themselves and defend themselves in the event of crime, attacks, or, yes, in the event of the the need to protect itself, the protect themselves rather against the uh, a tyrannical government. 
That's the bottom line. They don't want us to have a right to protect ourselves. And that bill has gone through this, the uh, the House of Representatives. We're going to talk to Jim Jordan about that and so much more. Coming up at 1010, Patrick Wood, Executive Director and Founder of Citizens for Free Speech, the organization that I tell you about all the time that I happen to work with and for uh, as the National Communications Director. I co-host the uh, podcast, Stand and Deliver with Patrick. We're going to talk about CFFF's new campaign to get the United States out of the World Health Organization. There has been, for a while now, a bill that just kind of languishes there. It's a bill that literally calls for the United States to withdraw from the World Health Organization. And, of course, we know that President Trump already did such a thing. There was a push for it uh, when he was in office. As a matter of fact, he pushed for it. Now we are dragged back into it, just like we got dragged back into the Paris Climate Accords and dragged back into the Iran nuclear deal and so on. Uh, but we have got to get out of the WHO. We simply do. And like I said, there is a bill. It's H.R. 7806. I'll talk to Jim Jordan about this, too. Um, but Patrick Wood and I will talk about it. It's H.R. 7806 that would indeed pull us from the World Health Organization where we would no longer be beholden to the whims of, well, essentially, a body that is run by the CCP. The World Health Organization takes its marching points, its cues, its talking points, etc., from the Chinese Communist Party. So the executive chair of the World Health Organization, uh, uh, Tedros, uh, is the one who essentially says, hey, monkeypox is an international um, global health crisis, and therefore you must lock down, shut down, do this, do that, or whatever. And the member nations who signed on to that, which would include the United States, would have to do so. We've got to get out. We've got to get out. So Patrick Wood and I will talk about that uh, particular bill and how how and why it's so important for us to get out of the WHO for the protection of our own First Amendment rights and more. At 1035, Tom Z will join us. Tom Zawistowski, who is, of course, uh, the uh, founder and the leader of the We the People Convention, he has got a tremendous letter to Ohio Republicans. You probably haven't read. It's very lengthy, but it's really, really important. And I'll give you the headline. If you think you're voting for Republicans for the Ohio House and Senate next Thursday, think again. Or next Tuesday, beg your pardon. He wrote this last week, so he's talking about tomorrow, tomorrow Tuesday. Uh, Think again, because so many of the individuals who are uh, on the ballot tomorrow are not worth your vote, are not worth your support. support. They're not true Republicans. They're rhino Republicans. We're going to let Tom talk about that, as well as his endorsements for the state races, and for the state central committee races as well. And then at 11.10, we're going to get a kind of a different perspective, but uh, on the same subject, Shannon Burns, who uh, leads the Strongsville GOP, and he is a member of the state central committee for the Republican Party as well. We'll talk about the reform efforts being made to try to get uh, Bob Paduchik and his cronies out of power in the ORP. And the only way to do that is to change the state central committee and vote for new leadership. It's extraordinarily important. So there you have it. Jim Jordan, Patrick Wood, Tom Zalostowski, and Shannon Burns all going to be joining us. And before we start with today's top stories, I'm going to ask you to stand. Patriots, rise wherever you may be. Face the flag if you have one. Put your hand on your heart and join us for this Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a Biden voter... If you are a believer in this quote-unquote assault weapons ban, if you are a believer in taking away our First Amendment rights like so many of these things do, well, you are exempted from this request to stand and pledge your allegiance to the flag. 
because you have no idea what liberty stands for anyway. You may take a knee instead next to your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So on the subject of taking orders from uh, the Chinese Communist Party, on the subject of letting China dictate by way of the WHO in the story that I just talked about, what is done here in the United States of America, and by letting China dictate where we go and when we go there. Then we have to talk about the story of Nancy Pelosi, who's on her way. She's on her way, and according to what we have read or what we have been told, there is no mention in her Asia trip itinerary of visiting Taiwan. It's not there anymore, which is really all kinds of interesting. Interesting and, quite frankly, repulsive, devastating, because it would signal a surrender. It would signal that we are not interested in crossing Xi Jinping. We're not interested in crossing uh, the Chinese Communist Party, who warned Nancy Pelosi that if you visit Taiwan without China's express permission, there will be punishment coming. That American leaders should not, quote, play with fire, end quote, over Taiwan. President Xi elaborated on China's principled position on the Taiwan question, said Beijing's foreign ministry in a colorful readout of the 137-minute phone call that was held uh, between American leaders and uh, Chinese leaders. China firmly opposes separatist moves toward Taiwan independence and interference by external forces and never allows any room for Taiwan independent forces, independence forces in whatever form. The position of the Chinese government and people on the Taiwan question is consistent and uh, resolutely safeguarding China's national sovereignty and territorial integrity is the firm will of the more than 1.4 billion Chinese people. The public opinion cannot be defied. As if the people of China, China, as if 1.4 billion Chinese people under the oppressive thumb of communism have their will ever or their opinions ever respected. I don't need to go into the obvious there. This is a communist nation. The people of China don't have freedom to have their will be heard. Those who play with fire will perish by it. The release went on. It is hoped that the U.S. will be clear-eyed about this. So this is obviously very, very clearly stated. If you allow your... uh, your, um, um, Speaker of the House of Representatives, to come to Taiwan without our permission, then we essentially are going to punish you in a way that you will not appreciate. And considering he said trial by fire, or not trial by fire, beg your pardon, perish by fire, I think was the language again. Let me pull it up just one more time so I can, I'm sorry, not to play with fire. Do not play with fire, and those who do play with fire will perish by it. There, There's the correct quote. That's not talking about economic sanctions or an increase in tariffs or changing the trade imbalance. That, that's, those are war drums that you hear beating in the distance. Those are war drums. And now because of Speaker Pelosi's Asian trip, we have no choice but to, to, 
to answer in kind and say, we're not afraid of you. We, we're not going to allow you to dictate where our leaders go. Now Nancy Pelosi absolutely, positively must go to Taiwan. She has to. If she doesn't go to Taiwan now, the Biden administration will make us look even weaker than we looked in our withdrawal of our troops from Afghanistan. That devastating failure by pulling troops out first, leaving billions upon billions of extraordinarily expensive military technology and equipment, leaving behind even more than that, civilians, American citizens, and yes, some Afghanis, who helped and were sympathetic to and supported the American cause against the Taliban, leaving them all behind. It was the most chaotic, ridiculous thing that you can imagine. American lives are clearly in jeopardy because of it, not to mention those who have supported America. It was just a, a foreign policy disaster of the first order. There's no other way to say that, right? There's, there's not a way to sugarcoat that. It was a foreign policy disaster. Now, having said that, having acknowledged that, What's about to happen in Taiwan could be worse. If Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party tell Nancy Pelosi, if you come to um, Taiwan, you are playing with fire, and those who play with fire shall perish by it, that is threatening war. That is threatening a military uh, response to the United States of America. And as such, we have no choice but to respond to it. Is there any other way to see this? Nancy Pelosi has reportedly landed in Singapore to begin this Asian tour. But again, her itinerary released to the press does not mention Taiwan. The Associated Press is reporting a person familiar with the matter confirmed that Pelosi and her diplomatic entourage landed in the city-state before dawn as tension with Beijing continues uh, over exactly where she will be going next and when Singapore President Halama uh, Yaakob and Prime Minister Li Zing Lung are on her list for meetings today. Pelosi is also expected to attend a cocktail reception with the American Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. Um, other stops on the trip supposedly include Malaysia, South Korea, and Japan, where they will discuss trade, COVID-19, climate change, security, and democratic governance. In other words, it's a great big waste of time. But having said that, None of those stops, as I just listed, included Taiwan. So the question becomes, what will happen if we don't go to Taiwan after saying we were? The Chinese Communist government will know that they own us, lock, stock, and barrel, that we are afraid to cross them. That will do what for American uh, purposes around the globe? Will it A, help us, B, have no effect, or C, harm us? And if you don't understand that that's an obvious C, then you're not paying attention. If China can tell the rest of the world that the United States of America is, uh, if you'll pardon my, my euphemism here, they are our B. And the B is a word that rhymes with which. America is our B. We told them don't come anywhere near Taiwan, and Nancy Pelosi reached over and jerked the uh, uh, the wheel of that plane or the controls of that plane, and and went right away from China because they knew that we owned their behinds. And on the flip side, if Nancy Pelosi actually shows a little bit of guts, not recognizing the message that this would send to the rest of the world that the Americans are afraid of the Chinese, and goes and touches down in Taiwan, now we literally do 
run the risk of a military action being taken by the Chinese against us, which could prompt us or hurtle us straight into World War III. That's where we are. Now, I don't know what the goal of going to Taiwan was in the first place. I don't know why this needed to be the showdown that it has become. But what I do know is that it is another example of why the American Democrat Party is going to destroy this country. They make this this big public international vow that the speakers go into Taiwan not thinking the Chinese would respond? Really? You didn't think that Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party would, would take issue with that and put us in a position where we either have to follow through with our plan and send you and risk World War III or back out and make us look like we are China's bee and thus not respected by enemies nor friends around the globe. This is a devastating situation, to be quite frank. It is a devastating situation. It is fraught with peril, and the Democrats, of course, as usual, did not think it through before they made an action and an announcement. So she's in Singapore, and we'll see if the U.S.-China tensions escalate even more if she decides to make this trip to Taiwan. And it says here, and by here I mean in my voice, this is my thought, and this is, I think, shared by a lot of other people, she has to go now. She has to go. We cannot be China's, the Chinese Communist Party's uh, whipping boy on the world stage. I mean, do you know what a propaganda feast that would be for communism and for communist dictators, uh, dictatorships everywhere? Look at that. The Americans came eye to eye and nose to nose with the Chinese before they landed in Taiwan, and the Americans blinked. The Americans flew away. That means we can defeat them. That means we don't have to worry about them. That means the Americans are no longer America. I hope you understand that it is as serious as all of that. All right, phone lines are going to be open at 216-901-0945, As noted, we are packed with guests today, so it's going to be a little tough for you to pick your spots, but you should do so when you can. 216-901-0945, Jim Jordan at 935, Patrick Wood at 1010, Tom Zawistowski at 1035, and uh, Shannon Burns at 1110. All important conversations for a variety of reasons. Sit back, have another coffee, maybe even have another cream stick. Whatever donut you like, but sit back and relax and stay with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Nine twenty six, always right radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Don't forget to check out online. All new stories up and loaded. The top stories of the day in the conservative world, conservative news and views, which is pretty much the same news you're going to get on the mainstream, but from the other perspective or from a fair and uh, and balanced perspective. To borrow somebody else's line. Uh, check it out at alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. By the way, also don't forget to uh, check out the web store. The latest uh, T-shirt design that we are selling on the web store at alwayswrite.us is uh, it's a simple shirt. It's a black or red or white shirt, and it's got a very simple direct message on it. Juck Bo Fiden. And uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful message. Uh, you should check it out for yourself. It's a foreign language. Juck, J-U-C-K, Bo, B-O-E, Fiden, F-I-D-E-N. And it's, uh, it's, it's simple, and it's direct, and it's to the point, if you understand that language anyway. It's kind of like Pig Latin, sort of. 
Uh, but uh, check it out for yourself and see if it's something that you would like, or if you've got a birthday or somebody's got a, a birthday in your life would like that gift, there you go. Uh, I think it's going to get very, very popular. As a matter of fact, it already is. It's kind of our top seller right now on the alwayswrite.us webpage. So check out the Juck Bo Fiden web sh- or, or a T-shirt rather on the uh, web store. So um, the assault weapons ban got through the House. Jim Jordan fought very, very hard against it, as he always does. Uh, but unfortunately, there are too many Democrats in the uh, uh, House of Representatives, something we can, of course, um, rectify as of November. But for now, there are too many of them there. And yes, they passed an assault weapons ban, which is now headed to the um uh, to the United States Senate. But here's just a little bit of Jim Jordan who's going to join me in a few minutes uh, on the floor of the House uh, over the weekend debating and pushing back against that bill. Mr. Speaker, red flag laws take all guns from some people. This is from Friday, beg your pardon, not over the weekend, but Friday. This bill makes illegal some guns for all people, and we know where they want to go. We know what they want to do. They want to take all guns from all people. Because they can't stand the Second Amendment. They hate the Second Amendment. In fact, during the markup, the sponsor of the legislation said this, quote, Spare me the BS about constitutional rights. Well, Republicans care about law-abiding citizens' constitutional liberties. Their First Amendment rights, their Second Amendment rights, their Fourth Amendment due process rights, and all of those have been attacked by the Democrats over the last several months. That's why we should vote no on this legislation and let law-abiding Americans have the, the respect for the Second Amendment they deserve. That's exactly right. And uh, Jim Jordan is uh, is spot on. It is literally about the fact that they hate the Second Amendment. They have no respect for that constitutional amendment. They have no respect for your right to protect yourselves. This is not about just limiting you know, uh, certain kinds of caliber weapons and, and certain amounts of ammunition and all of these kinds. No, 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 no. This is an attempt. It's a step on the path to getting rid of all guns from all people taking them from all people. Jim Jordan was right on Friday on the floor of Congress, and I'm sure he'll be right when he joins me coming up after this newscast on Always Right Radio and 1420 The Answer. Delivering you from the depravity of the radical left. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. We know what they want to do. They want to take all guns from all people because they can't stand the Second Amendment. They hate the Second Amendment. In fact, during the markup, the sponsor of the legislation said this, quote, spare me the BS about constitutional rights. <laughs> constitutional rights. What did BS about that stuff for? Uh, it's only, you know, what the entire country was founded upon, the constitutional rights. Yeah, spare me the BS about your rights. That, of course, was Congressman Jim Jordan fighting very hard on Friday, trying to convince his colleagues to vote against the ban on quote-unquote assault weapons. It was large, or, uh, uh, essentially, not essentially, it was effectively uh, unsuccessful because uh, it is on its way to the Senate right now. Joining us to talk about that and more for his regular Monday visit is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, Congressman Jim Jordan. Good morning, sir. 
Good morning, Bob. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. Um, you put up a good fight. I mean, I was watching the the remarks and uh, watching a lot of the others as well. That is an astounding thing that you point out that they literally yeah. called for uh, you know this ban, regardless of the rights of the American people, regardless of the constitutional right to defend yeah. oneself and to keep and bear arms. Ah, let's kick that to the curb. That's not important. Oh my goodness, is there anything more important? Well, and it, 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 remember, this is not the first time. They've been going after the First Amendment for, for 18 months. Now they're going after the Second <laughs> Amendment. When they pass that crazy red flag bill, that, that violates your Fourth Amendment due process rights. So it, it, there's no right that you have that, that, that is truly uh, not under assault by, uh, by today's Democrats. And remember, in this bill, there were eight pages of, of, of certain weapons that are now going to be banned that you can no longer go purchase. Eight different pages. So this is, you know, as I, Thomas Massey said it best a while back, and I, I used this line in, in, on the floor. He said, red flag laws take um, all guns from some people. Uh, this bill would take um, some guns from, from all people. And where they want to go, as I said on the floor, is they want to take all guns from everybody, all guns from all people. And it's, it's, it's frightening, but that's, uh, that's who today's left is. That's who today's left is, and that's bad. But can you tell me how two Republicans crossed over? Brian Fitzpatrick and Chris Jacobs of Pennsylvania and New York, respectively, broke with you and the uh, Republicans and actually sided with this ban. Did any understanding of why do you talk to these folks? No, I, I didn't talk to him, and I, I guess I kind of expect that we there's a there's, they come from more moderate districts, I guess, and they think that that reflects you know maybe the folks they represent. I don't know. It, it seems to me you do what the Constitution says. You respect the right to keep and bear arms. You know, we always point out that. It, the, the, the Second Amendment is pretty straightforward. It says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I mean, it's like you don't infringe on it, <laughs> plain and simple. And the Supreme Court is, has said that in the Heller, in the Heller case that uh, 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 firearms in common use are what, what, what the founders were referring to in that fundamental statement, shall not be infringed. And, and right now there are like 24 million ARs-type rifles that Americans have. So if that's not common use, I don't know what is. So in essence, this is truly an unconstitutional piece of legislation, and we made that point on the floor on uh, on Friday as well. Yeah, I hate to be redundant too, but going back to the Judiciary Committee hearings on this, you know, it it doesn't help when the chair of the committee doesn't know what an AR is, doesn't know that AR doesn't stand for assault rifle. And I know we've talked about this, but that's an insane thing to me because if the chair of your committee doesn't know that, I wonder how many others of the hundreds of Democrats who voted for this ban think that AR stands for assault rifle. Yeah, well, I'm sure a bunch of them, because remember, also in that committee, Democrats didn't know the difference between a bump stock and an arm brace. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> so the, the, Thomas Massey, who, by the way, is, is probably the, the foremost expert on, on firearms in the Congress, did just a great job of schooling these guys both on the floor on Friday and in the committee hearing the week before. So, yeah, there's a lot of things they don't understand. And But I think the most fundamental is the point we're making is they don't understand the Second Amendment, for goodness sake. So uh, when you say, uh, spare me the BS about constitutional rights, that's the sponsor of the legislation making that statement. That shows you their perspective. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Let's stay in uh, legislative matters then. For, oh, by the way, just to put a cap on this, it's going to the Senate. It's not going to pass the filibuster. It's not going to survive it. It's going to die there, and that's a good thing. But still, this is yep. insane that we have to go through this uh, assault on our rights. Now, staying in the uh, uh, in the legislative uh, field here, um, let's talk about the PACT Act. 
there's been a massive uh, online, you know, social media brawl going on here as Republicans are being savaged for killing a bill that was passed with unanimous, uh, or not unanimous, beg your pardon, massive bipartisan support previously. Republicans mm-hmm. are saying that Democrats added spending to it or changed the rules of spending within this bill, and now suddenly yeah. what yeah. passed <clears throat> 84 to 14, I think it was, in the Senate, now uh, was defeated soundly, primarily because of Republicans. Republicans are getting plastered as being uncaring for veterans uh, as a result of this. How do you explain it? Well, look, we all want to help veterans. I mean, of course we need to help veterans, particularly ones where, that were exposed to this stuff, uh, these burn pits when they were when they were overseas fighting and, and, and doing the good work for our country. Mm-hmm. But this is, a, this is total budgetary gimmickry in this legislation. They're moving it over to mandatory spending so that, so that Democrats don't have to make the tough choices and say, yeah, let's put veterans as priority number one, let's fund them. They want to say, no, 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 we're going to put that on mandatory so we have this money that we can still spend on all our stupid things like Green New Deal and everything else they want to spend it on. It's, it's for the budget. And if we don't like get, get serious about uh, uh, the, the budgetary games that Democrats want to play, if we don't get serious and change this, we're never going to get a handle on this crazy inflation that is, that is hurting every single family. So that's what has, has, was driving this. Looks like maybe the Senate's going to change. I saw some reports this morning that they're going to go ahead and pass something. But that's the reason that, that uh, you saw Republicans opposed to this. Um, it's the budget games that the Democrats are playing. The, the, the person arguing the most against Republicans on this wasn't actually a member of the Senate or, or a member of the House. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was John Stewart. And I'm sure you, John yeah, Stewart, he's, right. he's savaging Ted Cruz and by extension all Republicans. And he says that what you just said is not accurate. He says that this is all, this, this spending or this money has always been mandatory, not discretionary. Uh, this is not anything that, that has changed. Uh, he said, you know, basically called BS. And I know Ted Cruz responded and said, yes, it is. And no, it isn't. Yes, it is. I just don't know what the people are supposed to think. Well, I mean, it, 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 the truth is it is mandatory spending. That's, uh, that this was the argument that was made in the House. And Leader McCarthy said this time and time again in front, of, uh, in front of all of us. I'm not on the Veterans Committee, so we didn't go through the, the, this, you know, the markup of this legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the reason you see Republicans uh, take the position they did. We all want to help our veterans. And, um, I mean, it, c- come on. It, it, this is, the Democrats are, with the, with the now with the, the Manchin-Schumer agreement, and this, they are going to exacerbate this inflation problem, which is at a 41-year high. That is the worst tax on every single family that they could possibly have. Their dollar now buys less, which is the cruelest tax there is. That's what's also going to happen with uh, with the Democrats' crazy spending on so many areas. Uh, yeah, I have no doubt of that. Uh, but but I I don't I feel like this one isn't as much about the spending as it is about the fact that they still see the red wave coming. They still see November, and it's now three months away. Uh, now that we're into yep. August, they they see it, and they how do we stop this? And we have to make the Democrat or the Republicans look bad, look evil, and let's make them look like they don't care about veterans. They they voted against a bill that they would that actually provide more health coverage for veterans who suffered these terrible injuries from the burn pits and and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, is that what this is all about? Is it? I mean, it feels like to me it's just well, politics. It's not about veterans and it's not about spending. It's about it's about November. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it is. I mean, they, they talk about January 6th. They make things up. They talk about the, uh, the you know the the great pro life decision. They want to turn that into something that isn't. So yeah, that's how the Democrats going to operate. And you're right. We're 100 days away. I think now uh, 100 days from from election day. And it's, it's going to get serious now. We got to keep campaigning hard. Um, and if we do, I think I think the country gets it. Nine out of ten of our fellow citizens think the country's headed in the in the wrong direction. Um, and I think they're fixing to make a change. But we got to continue to, to you know 
go out and campaign and tell the, tell the American people just how bad the Biden administration has been for them and their family. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan, as we do each and every Monday on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. So, Joe Manchin caved. You know, we've had so many um, so many reasons to say thank you, Senator Manchin, for standing up to your party. Thank you. You know, he's he stood up against uh, packing and against the filibuster, and, and he, fil- he stood up against uh, uh, Broke Back Better and all the rest. But now he agrees to a version of it, if you will. Um, Congressman, I'm just going to ask you plain. Uh, Schumer and Manchin say this bill will lower inflation. But they said the very same thing about the American Rescue Plan before, which, of course, started this massive increase to 9.1% CPI uh, increase in inflation. So um, does this lower inflation, or will this actually make the problem worse? There is not a person with any common sense uh, who thinks this thing is going to help on the inflation problem. I mean, you spend crazy amounts of money when you tax people more, which is what's in this bill as well. When you do all those things, you are going to make the problem worse. Anyone with a brain understands that. But the Democrats keep saying something different. Just like they said before, as you said, oh, this will help. Remember, Joe Biden said if we spend more, it's going to help inflation. There's not a rational person on the planet who believes that. And then they said, oh, no, it's just it's just it's transitory. It's temporary. And then, of course, you had the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen say, I'm surprised that we have inflation. It kind of snuck up on us. How can it sneak up on you when you spend like crazy, pay people not to work and drive up the cost of energy? You know, you're going to get inflation. Everyone knows that, except it seems these Democrats. But my guess, my, my, my gut tells me they know it, too. They're just lying to us and telling us that somehow it's going to be reality is not going to be reality and it's going to be something different. The Penn Wharton uh, Business School studied this and uh, released its findings on Friday. You probably saw it as well. And they said this massive spending package will, in fact, slightly increase inflation over the next two years if, indeed, it is passed and signed. Uh, Not only will it not decrease, it won't stay the same, it will slightly increase it, perhaps 0.05% over the next two years before finally getting a marginal drop of 0.25% in the late 2020s. If they don't want to believe Republicans, can they believe Penn Wharton, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, I, the American people are smart. The American people have common sense. The American people think like, come on, come on, Joe. Uh, come on, uh, Schumer. Come on, Manchin. We know this is not going to uh, do anything but make it make the matter worse. And um, and the green uh, again, components of this bill can only do bad, you know, terrible things for, you know, his his coal mining state of West Virginia. It just makes me wonder yeah, what, I, what are they, you know, no, I don't, I don't understand why he, he yeah. changed when he was literally doing what he thought was best for the people of West Virginia, which is what any senator should do. And yeah. suddenly he flipped. I don't know why. I don't either. And I, I thought the same thing. Like, how is this for West Virginia, an energy producing state, a coal state? I, I don't I don't get that either. Um Maybe it's just, who knows, maybe it's the pressure of D.C. finally. I, I don't know. Uh, let's hope cinema. Let's hope that maybe she, she'll stay tough and not, not go along with this. Um, and, and we can we can avoid making the uh, making the situation worse. I would like to think that, that that will happen, but I feel like she's not going to stand alone. It was easy for her to stand shoulder to shoulder with Manchin and the others, but I don't know if she's going to do it alone now that he has caved. But we will see. A couple of other quick ones uh, for you, Congressman Jordan. Nancy Pelosi... Uh, is uh, in Singapore, and according to yep. the 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 itinerary released by her office over the weekend as she left, she's going to visit Singapore, she's going to visit Malaysia, she's going to visit South Korea, she's going to visit Japan to discuss trade, the COVID nineteen pandemic, climate change, security, and quote democratic governance. Nowhere on the official itinerary was Taiwan. So, 
mm-hmm. uh, I, I ask you, now that the, the, the Chinese Communist Party has literally said if she does defy the CCP and go to Taiwan, we will be, quote, playing with fire, and, quote, those who play with fire will perish by it. It doesn't sound like there would be an economic uh, response to this by the CCP if we go to Taiwan. It sounds like those are war drums that I hear. Those who play with fire will perish by it. Is she going to go, do you think, Congressman, since it's not on the itinerary? Well, I don't know. Uh, let's hope that she does, because once you announce it, you, it seems to me you have to do it. Um, and, um, you know, let's hope that, that China's not going to, if she does go, that they're not going to do anything like, like the, the, these, these threats seem to indicate. But, but I do think once you've said you're going to do it, you can't pull back. I mean, it just this is this is the difference, I guess, though, in a general sense between the the, the Biden administration and the left, and, and how they conduct foreign policy, and the way it was done under President Trump. And 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 I always well, we we talked about this before, Bob. Mike Pompeo. I always say when, when you know go back to um, it's now been probably a year ago, more than a year ago, when when Blinken, our Secretary of State, was meeting with his Chinese counterpart in Anchorage, and the way the Chinese dressed down our, our Tony Blinken and our team there, there is no way that would have happened under President Trump. Um, and, and I, I even said this, that, you know, if, if Mike Pompeo was sitting there, he would have, he would have given it back to him or he'd have got up and flipped the table over and walked out and said, you don't treat the United States that way. So I think she has to, she has to go now that it was announced last week that she was planning to go. Um, we're just going to have to, I guess, wait and see. I, I agree with you. I think she absolutely has to, but play, play hypothetical with me here. What if she doesn't? What if what if she bypasses Taiwan and they come up with a reason, an excuse, or whatever? Can you talk about what the ramifications would be on the world stage for all of our allies, but more importantly, all of our enemies, if it looks like the, the United States was just intimidated in a stare down with the Chinese Communist Party and Xi Jinping, and we blinked? Well, I, I think we already know what what the, the reason they made the statements. The Chinese made the statements they did last week is because of what happened in Anchorage. So that there's always there's always consequences. There's always ramifications for showing weakness. And their statements last week were a result of what they've seen over the last year and a half, starting with that, that, that event in Anchorage where Tony Blinken, our Secretary of State, got dressed down by his Chinese counterpart. So I think we already know. So it'll just continue to embolden the bad guys because we're not willing to do what we said we would do, and we're not willing to project strength from the Oval Office and from this government that is controlled by the left. So th- that's the problem. And, and it, it, it's the same thing with this. I really do believe it's the same thing with this Brittany Griner situation. There is, you know, President Trump would have had her back now. There, there, there would have been some something that uh, he would have worked it out. He would have had her back. And yet Biden's looking to trade some um, some some guy that's that's, I think, a war criminal that uh, I read about. So that's the problem when you, there is not strength coming from the Oval Office and not strength coming from your government. Um, I wasn't going to go there, but since you brought it up, um, you know, Paul Whelan, of course, is a, is a, is an ex-U.S. Marine who is in Russia serving uh, an extremely long prison sentence for espionage for spying, according to the to the Russians. Um, 
it is reported that it is in nowhere near true. It is nowhere near true. He's the one they should yep. be working to get out, and he's been there a long time. Um, Brittany Griner, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, she's not a political prisoner. Paul Whalen is a political prisoner. Yep. She went Good there point. and got Good busted point. by a drug dog in an airport with weed or cannabis oil or whatever it is. Um, I'm not yep. saying she should be staying in prison for 10 years either, but I don't know that why this would be a priority, even if it was Mike Pompeo and Donald Trump you know, running the show, uh, because, quite honestly, I, I would not want to be trading a high value Russian right. uh, you know right. murderer I think he's called the what is some the minister of death or well, something sure. like that that sure. they're going to get back yeah. in order yeah. to get Brittany Griner back here I mean that's a I don't know if that's a a win-win for us here no I, I'm not saying that is all, all I'm saying is I, I just don't think it ever got to this point uh, with, with President Trump. remember early in President Trump's administration you had those uh, those basketball players from UCLA who got in trouble oh and, yeah yeah, you know, Lonzo Ball. It, and, yeah. But, yeah, and President Trump, he got he dealt with it in like two days. I mean, it's it's the difference in leadership that I think you know more and more Americans see just what a difference uh, there is between when President Trump was president, what it meant for families, what it meant in international uh, uh, politics, what it meant for foreign po- what it meant across the board. Uh, they're they're seeing it time and time again. Yeah, there's no question. And since you brought up President Trump in comparison to Joe Biden, did you ever think you'd see the day when Joe Biden was shouting, build that wall, build that wall? <laughs> but in Yuma, Arizona, that's what he's doing here. What's going on? Yeah, who, well, it's, it's tough to figure out what, what's going on with uh, in, in any policy area with this administration. But, yeah, I've seen that. And, and well, what did they say when they got asked the question? They gave some answer like, no, no, we're repairing or they're doing something. I, I mean, it's just like... <laughs> figure. There are uh, four another, major uh, gaps in the wall that have allowed the Yuma area to be one of the busiest corridors for illegal crossings. Yeah. So they're going to they're going to fill those gaps. In other words, they're going to build walls where there aren't walls in between other walls. Yeah. And then they're going to scream, you know, yeah, that, and of course that's racist. Well, well, you know, I yeah. think we found out where they really stand, Congressman Jordan, when Muriel Bowser, the mayor in Washington, D.C., said, I'm bringing in the guard to keep all these nasty uh, illegal aliens away from me. Greg Abbott started yeah. sending busloads up, up to Washington, D.C., <laughs> so that his state doesn't have to deal with this massive influx of, you know, millions of illegal aliens. He's starting to send them to D.C., and D.C. is saying, get them out of here, send them back, finally. I mean, the yeah. hypocrisy uh, is so I, thick. Yeah, I was asking about that, and I said, the call she should have made is, is- he should be on the phone calling the president and calling Secretary Mayorkas and say, put back in place the policies that work. Um, and, uh, but instead, she's calling the National Guard, which I guess, again, I understand. But um, why not make the real call that would make a real difference for the country and not have this record, uh, record amount of illegal migrants coming into the nation because they're intentionally doing it to us? Why not call the president and secretary? of Homeland Security, but I don't think she's going to make that call. No, I don't think so either. Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman, thank you for your good uh, good work and the good fights, and we'll talk to you again You bet. Thank you. All right. Thanks, There's Bob. Jim Take Jordan. Care. It's 955. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Right back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Seven minutes after 10 o'clock, hour number two is underway on this Monday, the very first morning 
of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to Congressman Jim Jordan, who joined us last half hour. And I want to move right along now and talk about one of the issues uh, that we have been dealing with for quite some time now. And uh, we, sh- we, we shined a pretty bright spotlight through Michelle Bachman, former congresswoman from Minnesota, who was shouting and trying to make as many people aware as possible of the danger of what the Biden administration was proposing with the World Health Organization just a couple of months ago, back in May. And that was surrendering authority on how to respond to a global health emergency or quote-unquote pandemic to the WHO. Uh, it essentially said that the uh, executive chair of the WHO, Tedros, would would have whoever it is in a given time would have the right to say you should lock down, you should um, f- uh, mandate masking, you should mandate shots, or whatever the case might be. Very very dangerous stuff, and. Um, now there are calls to just get out of the WHO altogether, and one of those calls is being made by the organization that I represent, and I'm very proud to work with, and that's Citizens for Free Speech, a nonprofit 501c3 fighting to protect the First Amendment for all Americans. And that First Amendment, or our First Amendment rights, are under serious jeopardy from the World Health Organization if we do allow them to uh, make decisions for us uh, rather than our representation in our government. Joining us now to talk about it is the founder and the executive director of this organization, Citizens for Free Speech, leading the fight now nationally to pull the U.S. from the World Health Organization. Patrick Wood joins us on Always Right Radio. Patrick, always a pleasure. We talk all the time, but not all the time on the radio, so it's good to have you back. Good morning, Bob. Okay, Patrick, tell us about uh, first the WHO as you see it, and then we'll get into the specifics of this bill, where in which you know we as a as a nation need to say the way it's worded on the on our Citizens for Free Speech webpage, we are done with the WHO's suppression of free speech. What is your impression of the WHO, Pat? Well, it's turned into be pretty much a, a dictatorial uh, body that uh, wants to control all health on planet Earth, and it goes much deeper than that, but that's the World Health Organization's goal. And Tedros now, you mentioned earlier, is uh, turned into be the, the, the kind of like the sole authority on declaring pandemics and endemics and health emergencies, et cetera, in the world, uh, even going against their own advisory committee's recommendations. And this is a dictatorship. It's turned into a dictatorship. But even worse than that, the World Health Organization has been the prime driver of censorship against their narrative in America and really in the world, but especially in America. That's one reason why, you know, when people want to talk about this on Facebook or Twitter or wherever, they get canceled, can't ask questions, can't discuss it, uh, can't call out any dangers that there might be in it. And the World Health Organization has been corrupting free speech probably for decades. But we see it most intensely now since COVID has started now. Monkeypox is on top of us because of what Tedros has done to declare a health emergency. This has to stop. And, and we should uh, we should we should clarify that too, Pat. Because when you talk about it being kind of a dictatorship, the World Health Organization now, here's an example of what we're talking about. The WHO, Director General Tedros, and I don't even try on the last name, 
took the unprecedented measure of ignoring the agency's special advisory committee to declare the spread of monkeypox a public health emergency of international concern. He said he had to play the role of tiebreaker in what was a, a panel, a 9-6 to six decision. A 9-6 to six decision against declaring this a global emergency. He, quote, broke a 9-6 to six tie. Pat, have you ever seen a tie in which there were three more people voting against something than for something? And then somebody saying, well, that's a tie. I guess I'll break the tie. I've never seen anything quite like that. No, this, this is absolutely ridiculous. He just made an a-priori decision. He said, to heck with you people, I am declaring, I, me, myself, and I am declaring a health emergency. And you can just stick it in your ear. Uh, this is absolutely outrageous. It's, it's the stuff of which dictators are made. But, uh, but again, back to the, you know, back to the, the core of it, what you will see now, anybody that dares to bring up something like this, like you just said, well, how can this be? A tiebreaker when it's six to, uh, you know, nine, nine to, to six, six yeah. to nine. Um, it, you, you, you're going to see people canceled over this. You're going to see, uh, Facebook posts taken down. Well, this, this is, you know, they'll say, oh, this is, fake news, this is conspiracy theory or whatever. It's in your face, but you're going to see the censorship come out against the narrative of people who are going to criticize it. Mm -hmm. This is what's wrong. This is why we need to fight to maintain free speech in America. These people want to cancel us altogether. Uh, There are other organizations, Bob, you know that, that are probably just as bad as the WHO, but if we were able to take the WHO out of American politics, altogether that would send a message of shockwaves throughout the world don't mess with the u.s just you know just leave us alone and that's what we're pushing for that's what this bill uh hr 7806 is all about is simply defunding and uh getting defunding the world health organization and the united nations and withdrawing from the treaty altogether yeah, well, we are obviously the primary funder of the United Nations. We are the primary funder of the World Health Organization. So by simply withdrawing, uh, that alleviates us of any of that responsibility, which would be a huge financial benefit to the American people. You're exactly right. But tell us specifically what 7806 says, Pat, if you can. Well, absolutely. You know, this is just an outright withdrawal from the United Nations, number one, but it also specifically mentions in Section 9. It's a simple bill, by the way. There's not, I think there's only 12 or 13 points to it. Section 9 in particular says repeal the United States participation in the World Health Organization. And it cuts off all funding to them, period. Cold turkey is done. But it's also interesting that uh, H.R. 7806, in different, under different numbers, has been introduced uh, every year since 2015. So this is not a new concept by some legislators to, you know, keep this on the, on the, on the front burner. So when, when one bill in one year expires, uh, it is being reintroduced back in. This is a good thing because there's persistence to it and consistency. This time, I hope that it's going to gain traction. And certainly if it is passed in the House and or the Senate, uh, President Biden will not sign it. But come, you know, next uh, this fall when, uh, you know, when the midterms take place, the makeup of the Senate and the House is going to look a lot different than right now. And very potentially, when 2024 comes around, the White House might look a lot different as well. So it's time to build the momentum for American people to stand up and say, we don't want this here. 
listen to us. These people are not our friends. They're not helping us. They're destroying us. Get rid of them. It's your duty. It's your responsibility. Much like, you know, closing the border up, I guess, on the southern border. That's right. You know, quickly stop the invasion. Well, the World Health Organization is just one more point of, you know, enemy within the camp sort of thing. And we need to get rid of them. It's time. Patrick Wood is my guest. Patrick is the executive director and the founder of Citizens for Free Speech. And I'll talk more about CFFS in a moment here. But back to the resolution, uh, H.R. 7806. Here's the problem. It's not new, as I understand it. It's not a new bill. This has been languishing for a while. It's been hanging around. It's been introduced and then reintroduced, and it never seems to generate a lot of support in Congress from either Republicans or Democrats. It seems to be pretty, um, you know, pretty pretty much unanimous that no, we're going to stay in the UN. We're going to stay in the WHO. So what we're pushing for here is an uphill fight. Is there any indication that there's you know, leadership or uh, anybody willing to kind of, you know, push this thing publicly that's in a legislative position, not just activists like us. This is where people, uh, citizens of our country, need to stand and deliver, Bob. Um, the people who introduced this, like uh, the, the primary sponsor of this was Mike Rogers of Alabama. Um, what Americans need to get behind us now and tell congressmen that they need to support this legislation. This is how things get done. This is how people get moved. And as it is now for the last several years, pretty much they've been operating in a vacuum. There has not been any public support. Well, that's our job. That's our business is to, is to muster public support for things like this well that affect said. free speech. Yeah. Yeah, no, Pat, sorry, that, that's perfectly well said. This is what we do. This is what CFFS does. It musters support. We need, on the local level, everybody, or at least on the very, you know, at the district level, in each district, each house district, in every city, in every state, we need people to, to contact their member of Congress and say, this is what has to be done. You know, it's funny, you, we brought up the monkeypox thing, and we, you know, this, this uh, fake tiebreaker uh, nonsense, and you talked about how they're going to cancel. They are already canceling people who who are, who are, I believe, accurately stating what monkeypox is, and that is an STD, because there there are scientific journals publishing that this is 95% of the infected people are being infected through uh, homosexual sexual activity, and and this is scientific journals, not not you know talk show hosts or activists or anybody else. The science says that. So if you say, well, that makes this an STD, and the general population isn't at risk of this, no reason to make this a quote unquote global health emergency when it is ninety five percent restricted to one particular portion of the population behaving in one particular kind of a way. And I'm not passing any moral judgments on it when I say this. It's, it's that's what they say is causing this outbreak. But if you post post that that's considered to be offensive and as you know pat if you're offensive in america in 2022 well then you have to be canceled you have to be silenced you have to be censored that's right and just imagine what would happen keep in mind all of the fact checkers at facebook and twitter and google and youtube and so on keep it keep all those fact checkers in mind because they may say everything what will they have to say if the united nations all of a sudden is no longer part of American society. What will they have to say if America withdraws from the United Nations and specifically from the World Health Organization? Will they be able to maintain their fact-checkers with any uh, credibility? Absolutely not. This would, if, this, if it were possible to take us out of the United Nations at this point, 
it would completely demolish the anti-narrative that we have in America today with all the censorship and cancelship. It would just cut them off at the knees, so to speak. Yep, yep. I think that's well said, and that's important to know. We're talking to Patrick Wood. He's the executive director of CFFS Citizens for Free Speech. Patrick, um, people can find the petition to send this to our specific representatives um, on our uh, action page, our advocacy page at Citizens for Free Speech. You can shortcode it to cffsaction.org, and I want people to do that. Tell everybody what else they need to know about CFFS and about the uh, advocacy we do. Well, I'll tell you, we we are very much into um, helping local activists throughout the country to learn how to interact in their local community in civic affairs as well as just, uh, you know, reestablishing personal affairs as well. We have a lot of training, uh, various training classes that people can take. We don't charge for them. We encourage people to take training and to, uh, you know, to get locked into other people in their own area so they can kind of join forces, if you will. Uh, the most important thing, I'll tell you, people, all Americans, every single American needs to stand up for free speech. The First Amendment is there for a reason, and that is it is the watershed for everything else that happens in society. If freedom of speech is taken away, if freedom of religion is taken away, if freedom of the press is taken away, if the right to assemble is taken away, we become communist China, technocracy China. This is not acceptable. This is not where America wants to be. We must defend the First Amendment and restore free speech to its rightful place in American society so we can put us back on the right course again. Yeah, and it is uh, it is an uphill fight. There's uh, there's no question about it. There are a lot of very powerful forces pushing back against us, just like there are going to be people who push back against the uh, withdrawal of the WHO and all of our efforts to do that. But uh, as you pointed out, stand and deliver. That's what it takes. you got to be willing to stand up and do what is right, even if it's inconvenient, even if it makes you maybe unpopular in certain circles, uh, even if it, if it challenges you in your professional or personal life. You have to be willing to stand and deliver. And uh, that's, uh, I use that phrasing, of course, because that's the name of our podcast that we do each and every week you and i and we have guests on as well um that drops every friday at noon for people who want to listen to it on all of the different places where you can get our uh you can get podcasts on you know spotify uh, uh, uh you, you can name them pat you know them better than i do yeah itunes spotify all, all the regular places that uh, you would expect to consume your podcast yeah, and it's important because we keep people up to date with the current events of the day or the week anyway, since we do it once a week. We may increase that frequency coming short, it's coming soon, but, but once a week for now, we uh, give you the latest on, on the most important events that are affecting free speech and are affecting you uh, in your communities. And if it's not in your community, it soon will be. We all know that. This is a very, very small country in that regard. What is happening in one place, if it is not stopped and checked, uh, it will spread to another and another, and eventually it's going to come to yours, and you have to learn how to fight back against that, and you have to learn how to stand and uh, and deliver. And Pat, um, last thing, as we are a 501c3, this is not a, a business, a profit a profit venture. We have a lot of work to do, but it, but it costs money to do it. So we're always looking for donors who are willing to help us make sure that we can continue to inspire and train and organize local activists to make the changes they need to in their communities, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I, we say that everybody can do something. Not, not Everybody can't do everything, of course, but everybody can do something. Some people are able to be very effective local activists. Other people, for whatever reason, may not be, but they may be able to uh, support us financially and to help us to spread our message to the rest of America. 
this is a nonprofit organization dedicated to America. We have no other ulterior motive uh, uh, whatsoever. And, um, uh, you know, we're in it. Uh, our membership is in it. We're all together in this uh, uh, in, of a like mind that that is up to us to restore these uh, these freedoms that we have noted in the First Amendment. And we just absolutely have to keep them alive. Yeah, no question about it. If uh, if we don't fight for our freedoms now, particularly those covered under the First Amendment, um, there will be no one to fight for them when they are all taken away. Yeah, I mean, right, right now we still have the ability, limited though it may be at times, we have the ability to fight back until we're canceled or censored or suppressed or stopped. But once we give up, there is no opportunity to fight back anymore. You, now you are just uh, spitting in the wind, uh, and uh, and there's and there's no chance of success. So we've got to yes. do it now while we can. I encourage everybody, and Pat, you and I talk about this on our podcast every time, text the letters CFFS, which stands for Citizens for Free Speech. Text CFFS to the short code, 313131, and uh, you'll instantly get a bounce back with a, a, a link to enter, uh, not enter, but a link to join and become a member of Citizens for Free Speech and make a difference in your community. Contact your local representatives. Contact your congressional representatives, and in particular to, to this conversation, to tell them to support that bill, to support the bill to withdraw from the World Health Organization, H.R. 7806. Uh, it cannot be more more important than what this is. Patrick Wood, CFFS uh, Director and co or excuse me, uh, Executive Director and Founder. Thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. That's Patrick Wood. I'm proud to work with him, proud to work for this organization and support uh, free speech. There is nothing more important. It's funny. I talked to Jim Jordan last half hour about the importance of the Second Amendment. You can't advocate for the Second Amendment unless you have the first, can you? You can't fight for your right to keep and bear arms unless you have the ability to speak out and be heard publicly and to make uh, the information known. If you get canceled and censored, there's nothing we can do about the Second Amendment, nothing we can do to protect any of the others. It is that important. That's why I work with Citizens for Free Speech, and I want you to join if you haven't done it yet. Go to your phone or go to your computer and tap it out, citizensforfreespeech.org, all spelled out, citizensforfreespeech.org. Become a member there. Or text CFFS to 313131. And I'll be right back. always right radio. I'm going to steal some of Tom Zawistowski's thunder before Tom comes on after the news here. Think of this. 64 out of 99 seats in the Ohio House and 25 out of the 33 Ohio Senate seats are held by, quote, Republicans, plus control of every state office from governor to auditor. You did that. You voted for who you were told to vote. Republicans who would pass conservative legislation that reflected the will of the conservative base that makes Ohio a red state. But nothing could be further from the truth. You gave them the ability to to do anything they wanted, and the Democrats could not stop them. But as you will see, they did almost nothing. These frauds, these liars, these corrupt politicians, the vast majority of them, but not all, are not conservatives. They run as Republicans, but they represent big-moneyed special interests and even Democrat unions. But they don't represent you, the voters. 
who elected them in these rigged elections that they create to keep power for themselves and their funders. That is a portion of a letter written by Tom Zawistowski from the We the People Convention to Ohio Republican voters who says that if you vote for Republicans in the Ohio House and Senate tomorrow, you better think again and find out if you're actually voting for a Republican or not. Tom will explain that in much more depth next on Always Right Radio. Reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob Frantz and the answer. 1037 now, always right radio on AM 1420, the answer. Did they pass legislation to get the destructive Marxist criminal race theory out of your schools? No. Did they pass legislation to end mask mandates for your children in school? No. Did they pass legislation to protect your constitutional right to decide what drugs are put into your body without you losing your job? No. These are just some of the questions, and these are the words of Tom Zawistowski. They're not mine, but I will tell you this. I second every single one of them. Tom Zawistowski joins us now. He's the president of the We the People Convention, also the Portage County Tea Party. Tom, good to have you back, my friend. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm well today, Bob. Always good to be on with you. That letter was phenomenal, and it's also very, very disappointing. Um, it, it is such a frustrating thing to know that we have elected so many people of what we thought is the right party to do the right thing in the Columbus State House, in the House, and in the Senate, and uh, and they're not, and that they they have an R after their name, but it's just for show, it's just for their own power, it's just for their own reelection strength in a red state, but they're not doing what the people ask them to do, and so the question becomes, Tom Z, what do they do tomorrow? Well, Bob, you know, this is the problem that we have, particularly here in Ohio, for some reason. I swear that our House and Senate members are invisible. They literally have no one holding them account accountable for anything. You, the voters listening to your show this morning, cannot go anywhere that I'm aware of to look at the voting record of their House member or Senate member. And so... I put this out here, you know, and I put this, you know, letter out because I wanted to show citizens and the legislators themselves, Bob, just how pathetic they are by comparing Ohio to Florida. And I swear to you, our own legislators were probably surprised by my letter because they go around all the time and everybody around them just pats them on the back and tells them how great they are. But if you read that list of Florida legislation that was passed, is it not impressive, Bob? Is that not a list we would want here passed in Ohio? That's would, the problem. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. And, and, you know, you've got two things here, Tom, that I wanted to talk to you about. One is this letter and this, uh, you know, the... Uh, you know the the rhinos and the uh, and the charlatans who are pretending to be what you want them to be, and then going there and not acting like it once they get into position to do it. But then you also did put this tremendous list together uh, that it came in my email inbox today. Of of let's see, you've got uh, 
You've got uh, House and Senate members, and you've also got State Central Committee members, too. I'm going to have Shannon Burns on in about a half an hour. He's uh, he's on your list of endorsed candidates from the uh, We the People PAC. Um, so he's on that list, and, and that's a good thing, and, and he's got his own list. It's not exactly squaring 100% with yours as far as the State Central Committee. Um and and I guess there's room for good for disagreement amongst good people with of goodwill, but it is extremely important that people pay attention before they go and cast their votes tomorrow for these central committee members. Because if we vote for the wrong ones and the same hucksters stay in power of the ORP, then nothing will change in the state house either. Okay, so I have good news and bad news. Right. Okay, the bad news is that I had been planning that the letter that I wrote that compared Ohio to Florida for literally six months. And my goal was we were hoping and expecting that the May primary would have House and Senate, uh, you know, Ohio House and Senate on the ballot, and there would be opponents for them. But as you know, that didn't happen. And if that would have happened, my goal was to basically tell the voters of Ohio to vote out every Republican incumbent except for the handful that I put on our Ohio Citizens Pact website. That was the goal. But as you know, they these incompetent, corrupt, quote-unquote Republicans, I call them Republicans, rigged this whole thing. The election tomorrow, there are many, many incumbents who have no one opposing them. In the Senate, there's 17 How races. Did they do that? How did they do that, Tom? That have Tom? an opponent. Tom, how did they do that? How did they rig it to the point where they don't even have opponents? Okay, so first, they totally botched the redistricting in Ohio. You know that. How many maps do we go through? Five, and, I and think, they, is the, the last one, yeah. didn't stand up to the Supreme Court. They didn't impeach Maureen O'Connor when they should have because she was an obstructionist to the maps that we should have been able to pass. But then here's the dirty trick. Once they, they approved the map for this August primary they didn't allow the normal 90 days to put your name on the ballot to run in the ohio constitution we always have 90 days before the election you can file to run for any office they wiped that out they said you had to have applied you you would have had to have filed to run in february when no one knew the districts no one, no one knew what district they would be running in. And then when the maps finally got approved and the election was going to be in August, they said, well, if, if you aren't in the district that you filed to run in, if you don't live there now, you have to move, Bob, to the other district or you can't be on the ballot. How fair is that? That's and the dirtiest no thing that I've ever seen. That's just... the oh, 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 but wait a minute. Wait a minute. A bunch of Democrats who were not on the ballot sued and they didn't you know they didn't take that suit and say yes you've got to open it up so that everyone can put their name on the ballot now no 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 they cut a deal and allowed those democrats to go on the ballot in franklin county but no one else that's how they rigged it bob and that's why you know it's important for the people listening to your show and for activists to turn out tomorrow because there are some people that we can we can remove for their incompetence and their betrayal. And as you said, the most important vote tomorrow 
where the action is, is State Central Committee, because there are patriots running in many, many seats, and you can find them at our OhioCitizensPact.org, OhioCitizensPact.org. You can see our endorsement, and you will see, you know, all you know, 33 Senate districts, we endorse a man and a woman for State Central Committee because our hope is that we can overthrow the corrupt ORP leadership and replace them with real Republicans and therefore have fair elections down the future in the future where actual conservative Republicans can get on the ballot, Bob. So that's is, why um, they've got to go to OhioCitizensPact.org, find out who's running in your district, and go tomorrow and vote for them because your vote's never going to be worth more. Your vote tomorrow is going to be like a, worth 100 votes. That's what we've got to do. Yeah, I'm going to post this on my webpage too, Tom, uh, at, at uh, alwayswrite.us. I'll link right up to the Ohio Citizens Pack. Uh, website so that people can see this when they go and vote. I guess you can still vote today at your board of elections. You know, uh, early voting, if you will. But then, of course, election day is tomorrow. It's a it's a staggering number when you when you point out that of the sixty four Republican Ohio House members, uh, only thirteen House incumbents are going to be endorsed by you. That the rest of the endorsements are going to be outsiders trying to remove some of these, uh, like I said, these charlatans from their positions. Well, see, and that's an important point, Bob. Uh, you had said to me that, you know, my my list uh, differs from Shannon's list to some degree. But if when you go to OhioCitizenPact.org, not a ton, and, and, and I'm going to explain why. When you go to our website, you're going to see a statement by me that says, you've got to understand that the Ohio Citizens Pact really has to hold people to a higher standard, that the people we endorse can't just be right on life or just on guns or just on taxes or just on business. They have to be right on all of it. And so what we're actually seeing on OhioCitizensPact.org is people who are endorsed by the majority of all the conservative groups in the state of Ohio. So what we did is we looked at Creven Right to Life, Ohio, uh, Ohio Christian Alliance, Buckeye Firearms, the, the Chamber of Commerce, and we saw who they were endorsing. And if someone wasn't on the majority, if not all of those lists, they don't get our endorsement. So the people at OhioCitizensPact.org are really a blend of that. And as you know, for State Central Committee, there is uh, you know probably five different groups of patriots who recruited people to run for Republican State Central Committee. And that's why the list you know, differs a little bit with Shannon's because some of the people on my list are not on his list, but they were on these other groups' lists. So I hope that clarifies that. It does, and that's important because I, I like that because you're not sitting here saying I'm the kingmaker and I'm the guy who makes all the decisions. You are taking into account the positions uh, and the opinions of other groups that you trust and that I trust too, to be quite frank. Almost every one of the ones you mentioned there, I know people within or I know the leadership of, and I concur. They are making endorsements and recommendations, and as you say, if there is the majority of them that agree on a certain candidate, you are adding it to yours because that's how it should be. You know, We all have our, as, 
as constitutional mind, constitutionally minded as you are, and as fair as you are, you know, you have your biases. We all do. It's, we're human beings. And you might say, I really like this person a little bit more, but you look at your, at the, if the, the majority of people that you respect that are in these activist organizations that are trying to make sure that the people of Ohio are represented with their true conservative values, their constitutional principles, and so forth, uh, then you're willing to go with them. And, and I think that's, that's the true sign of somebody who cares about the people and is not caring to caring about you know advancing an agenda for perhaps friends and and others who might grease them on the back end well so bob this is the bottom line and i mean this sincerely your listeners are not normal they're not normal people normal people don't even know there's an election tomorrow normal ohioans are don't even know what district they're in they have no idea because they changed all the districts and didn't tell you they're not voting tomorrow the people who are going to vote tomorrow are the people who are hearing my voice and your voice right now. And that's important because usually we're a minority in any election. We, the activists, we, the people who care about our country and act to protect and defend our beliefs and values, we're usually a minority. But by turning out tomorrow, Bob, we're going to be the majority for the first time probably ever. And by doing that, we have the opportunity to take advantage of this anomaly, right? Because I don't know if ever before in Ohio history that the Ohio Senate and House and State Senate Committee races were in an August election where the turnout is going to be infinitesimal. They're talking like 5%. So we have to seize this opportunity. And by showing up tomorrow and voting particularly for State Central Committee candidates that we've endorsed, you can make a real difference. It's your duty. It's your responsibility. If you love this country, tomorrow is the time to act. And I'm yeah. counting on everyone listening to your show today, Bob, to do that. You know, Tom, uh, you're, you were talking to Tom Z, Tom Zawistowski, president of the We the People Con- uh, Convention and uh, uh, leader of the uh, 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 conservative, or excuse me, the uh, Ohio Citizens PAC, which you can find at ohiocitizens.org, ohiocitizenspac.org, beg your pardon. Tom, you know, a lot of times in, in big elections, you know, presidential elections, did you vote? Nah, I already know who's going to win. My vote isn't going to change a thing. You hear that a lot through the years. It, this is an election where every single vote can change a thing. I mean, your vote can be the difference between winning and losing. When only 5% of the registered voters are expected to vote in this thing tomorrow, your vote could be the one that gives a significant majority to, uh, you know, reformers who are going to try to fix the ORP and thus fix, uh, you know, endorsed candidates for state offices, for governor, and all these other kinds of things. You know, every vote matters tomorrow. And we like to say every vote counts, and it does. And every election, of course, but in this one, it's just a little different, Tom, because of what you just said. 5% turnout, that means you and your neighbor going could be the difference between victory and defeat for a candidate that should be on this endorsed list and should be in office. Bob, you know that I never speak out without bringing receipts. When I said that if you think you're voting for Republicans in Tuesday's election, think again, I didn't just say an opinion. I proved it by showing the, you know, the legislation passed by Florida and compared it to the pathetic legislation passed in Ohio. And you can see that article if you go to OhioCitizensPAC.org. There's a link to it right at the top of the page. I did but more than that. I printed it. I printed it, and I have it in front of me right now, and I'm looking at the legislation. Yeah. 
There you go. Now, understand this. Our good mutual friend Chris Long just sent to me this morning a, a, a printout that showed the total number of absentee ballots that have been returned in the entire state of Ohio as of this morning, 27,000. Divide that by 88 counties. That's 314 votes. 314. This election is going to be decided by hundreds of votes, not thousands, hundreds. And so when you say what you just said, that, you know, they always say, oh, your vote counts, you can make a difference, and everybody goes, no. And we always say, well, look at these elections that were tied or were won by one vote. And that's true. But it's never been more true than tomorrow, Tuesday, August 2nd. Never, ever has your vote counted more. Take advantage of it and fight for liberty, and let's elect real conservatives so that we can turn this state around and stop being California and New York light and start being Florida. That's the reason I invited you on, Tom. I mean, I, I, I saw some people on Saturday socially, and uh, I asked them if they voted early or if they're, vo- they're going to be voting, and they said, when's that again? They didn't know that it was Tuesday. They didn't know that August 2nd was coming. They, you know, and these are constitution, constitu- these are conservative Republican friends who just didn't realize it was here. Uh, and of course, between all of the, you know, the, the maps and everything that, that forced this split primary, I guess it did confuse a lot of people. It's probably why it's down to five, five percent expected turnout. But that's the reason I wanted to bring you on. I want everybody within the sound of my voice to listen to Tom. I want everybody listening to us right now to go to his webpage and I'll link to it on my webpage, but his is ohiocitizenspack.org look at that list of endorsed I had somebody before the show today what time did he text me? He texted me at around 8.15 or something this morning and said, Bob, here's who I'm thinking of voting for, uh, for my, my rep and my, uh, and my um, state central committee. What do you think? And you know what I did, Tom? I sent him a link to your list, and I said, I like and trust Tom Zawistowski's list of endorsed candidates here. And I've also shared That's Shannon's great. yeah, and I've also shared Shannon's with people. And even though there may be a few scant differences there, I think these are the reform-minded, get rid of the rhinos who are not doing uh, the will of the people. I think there is enough commonality between those two lists to say if we can get some version of those things, uh, those people elected or those lists elected, then I think we will be on the right, right path to saving this state. So, uh, and, and at the end of the article that you printed, I've got a list of all the other packs. That, so you cannot, you don't have to just follow our list. Go to, you know, you can go to the Ohio Ohio, Alliance, Ohio Advocates, for, right, Ohio Advocates for Metal. Yeah, let me just read They're them here, Tom. Ohio, Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom, Ohio Christian Alliance, yep. Buckeye Firearms Pack, Ohio Value Voters, Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio, Ohio Republican Pack, and Ohio Chamber of Commerce, all joining Ohio Citizens Pack. Research, go to those links and research before you vote for your candidates tomorrow. But again, Tom, I agree with you. You've done a great job of assembling a list of endorsed candidates based on the endorsements of all of those conservative groups that really should make people feel safe and comfortable with making those choices tomorrow. So, uh, Tom Zawistowski, we'll leave it there for now. Thank you for all of your work on this. Thank you for being a voice for the people. Thanks for reminding people that if they read your newsletters and if they listen to my show, they're not normal. They're not normal people. Normal people don't dive in uh, to the depth that it's going to require to make the changes needed here. They don't. Normal people just kind of sit back and watch it all go by. Uh, the people who are not normal are the ones who make the difference, the ones who read your stuff, the ones who are going to go vote tomorrow. Those are the people that we're counting on. So, 
Talk yeah. about the your, your listeners are not normal, but they are special, Bob. <laughs> very well. Yep, very well said. That's exactly. Nobody ever said normal is good. Nobody ever said abnormal <laughs> is bad. Sometimes being the abnormal one in a group is the best thing to be because that's the one who's going to get good things done. Tom, thank you, my friend. Right. God bless. Thank you. Have a good day. Tom Zawistowski on AM 1420, The Answer. Shannon Byrne is going to join us to me, join me after the top of the hour, and uh, we're going to talk more about this and about the importance of getting out. To, he sent out a letter, too. He sent out his own letter. I got it this morning to his mailing list for the Strongsville GOP, uh, a message from President Shannon Burns, President of Strongsville GOP, about why tomorrow is so incredibly important. So, uh, yeah, I'm beating you over the head with this. Because it matters. Every single vote matters. That's why I had Tom on. That's why I'm having Shannon on. 216-901-0945. Maybe you can be on, too. We'll be back. (laughs) You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now, nine minutes past 11 o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Monday, the first morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. I told you we were jam-packed today, and we are. We had Jim Jordan in the first hour of the program at 935. We talked to Patrick Wood of Citizens for Free Speech at uh, 1010. We just finished with Tom Zawistowski about Election Day, primary style, part duh. And I should probably just say part duh because we didn't have to be here. Uh, but all because of the refusal of the uh, Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court to go along with constitutionally drawn lines, all to placate uh, the the left uh, wing of the uh, of the Supreme Court is the only way I can say it. We had to have split primaries. Now we have our second one tomorrow. It's probably going to draw maybe 5% turnout. That was the estimate of Tom Zawistowski who joined us. It's exceedingly important for you to get out there and vote tomorrow because these state house races are very, very big, as are the state central committee races as well. So joining us now to continue on this subject, after Tom Zawistowski just uh, laid it all out for us, is Shannon Burns. He is the president of the Strongsville GOP. He is also a member of the State Central Committee in the 24th Senate District, and uh, he is a strong advocate for change within the State Central Committee, and thus the leadership of the Ohio Republican Party. He joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Shannon, good to have you back. Great to be here again, Bob. Thanks so much. 
So, great letter, too, by the way. I read your letter this morning that came out. I'm obviously on your mailing list, uh, and uh, it, it, it did a very thorough job, I thought, of explaining to people what, you know, what really is at stake here tomorrow. Uh, and I know this is, uh, you know, largely for yourself. This is, of course, to push your own candidacy. But as you write about the Strongsville GOP and you write about the future of the whole party, um, you know, if we don't get out there, and make every single vote count. And I know I talked to Tom about this a few minutes ago. I don't know if you heard it, but you know the the whole you know adage of voting is your vote matters, your vote counts in a race like this, or in a in a in a campaign day, a primary uh, uh, election day like this rather, um, where you might have five percent turnout. He'd said what twenty seven thousand ballots have been cast in eighty eight counties so far um, uh, by way of early voting, and that's three hundred fourteen a county. Every single vote matters. If we don't get out there tomorrow, uh, you know, we could lose the golden opportunity, the best opportunity we've had to really reform the ORP. Right, Shannon? It, it really is. Uh, it's surprising. Our, our ability to win um, across the state, to have conservatives go in and, and, doing the, um, and, and win these seats is amazing. And there's, there's a district that I was just looking at, one of our allies down in the Columbus area. Only 114 people had voted in uh, through absentee so far, <laughs> 114 total out of uh, I think there was 20,000 that had voted in the May primary total. So we're, we're looking at astronomically low turnout, and it, and it actually has presented a great opportunity for conservatives to get out and vote. You know, as I look at this uh, state central committee, it's something that no one ever paid attention to before. They didn't really care. It, it didn't have an impact in their life, but now since President Trump. Has, has come into the state and has recruited a significant new base of Republican voters. We went from a purple state, sometimes losing, to a solid red state. The party used to be the arbiter of beating Democrats. And, and don't get me wrong, we're still in that business of beating Democrats. But now there's a new, there's a new need for the party. The party needs to be out developing great candidates for primaries. There has to be robust and just primaries that have a great discussion about what the future of the party is going to be about. The old way was to have a few people in Columbus choose who the primary contenders were going to be and eliminate everyone else. That's the way it used to be. It can't happen that way anymore. Now we need to have rules. We well, need hey, to have hey, hey, Shannon, when way... you say used to be, don't you mean is? That's kind of the way it is right now. That's kind of where the reason where, it, well, you know, the ORP is where it is. We can't let it be that way anymore going forward, but it's not even a used to be. It's a kind of is, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think you're right. I mean, you know, I, if you read my, my story, they definitely tried this year, right? I mean, if you read my letter this morning, one of the things I laid out is when I first got on the committee, I realized right away that, you know, this was a committee where you're just supposed to do whatever the leadership told you to do, right. which, you know, is not my style. It's not the style of most conservatives. Um, and, you know, it was really clear, you know, we reelected Jane Timken as chair, and then five minutes later, she's resigning because Portman has uh, decided to retire. She's resigning to become a candidate for Senate, and Bob Paduchik, five minutes later, is becoming the chair. Clearly orchestrated. That was clearly done uh, behind the scenes, and that's how everyone, the plan was to, to make that all happen. And, of course, that's the way it did work, and, of course, Paduchik went on to be the the lead cheerleader for DeWine, and, and he tried to help uh, uh, Timken as well, but that, that sort of fell flat pretty quickly as well. So you're right. That is the way it is currently. And I, I'd like to think that we're, we've started changing that, uh, but the true way to change it is to have conservatives win tomorrow. 
and take over the party and then create and, and enforce rules so that it's a fair, I don't even, honestly, I don't really interested in fair. I just want a just playing field so that anyone that wants to compete and has the ability to compete in the primary <laughs> is able to without having the heavy hand of, of the special interest in Columbus uh, prevent him from from being successful. Yeah, 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 exactly right. The heavy hand is exactly right. And Bob Paduchik wields his uh, his power with uh, with a sledgehammer, and it's just he tries to crush anything and anybody that there's. I mean, you wrote in your letter, this, I, I knew it had been a long time. I didn't know it was 16. There's not been an audit of the ORP finances for nearly 16 years. Now, I know he hasn't been the chair for all of those. Obviously, as you pointed out, it was Jane Timken before him. And But but the fact of the matter, the matter is, you've got reformers, people who want to step up and say, we have to clean this up, and we have to make sure that our, our financial house is order. Otherwise, how can we have any kind of authority whatsoever when we try to... Um, uh, you know, influence policy and influence legislation and things at the state level that are going to reflect the will of the conservative majority here. They can't trust us. Uh, if they can't trust us, then then why on earth should they vote for us? So let's prove that we're trustworthy. Let's audit this thing. Paduchik won't do it. Treasurer David Johnson won't do it. Uh, so this leadership has got to go. This is the kind of thing that uh, that makes the entire Republican Party look bad, Shannon. Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. You you mentioned Dave Johnson. I mean, what an embarrassment to the party now. Um, thank God that, that Rick Barron is out running against him. In, uh, in, in, you know, Rick is running in, uh, if your listeners are in Mahoning County or Columbiana County or Carroll County, uh, he, he's running against Dave Johnson there. And it, Dave has just become a real embarrassment. I mean, behind the scenes, we all saw it, right? Uh, a voter would send a message to all of the members, and Dave Johnson literally would send a message back, well, you're not important enough to at, tell us what to do. You didn't even vote in this primary. He'd literally look up the voters' uh, voting record and, and do that. That's the kind of guy that he is, and he's the treasurer of the party. He's the one that's responsible for our financial reporting, and and that's obviously done been done poorly. Uh, we're not really sure what happened with the with the funds, whether there was actual issues or not, but we all know for sure that the reporting was done poorly. And Clearly, uh, Dave Johnson is the guy that's responsible for that, so he needs to, to go. And you know, I could list uh, ten other uh, members that I see as problem childs in your listening area that conservatives need to win. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, your list, by the way, because you and I talked about this last time we spoke about the list that you have for state central committee endorsed candidates, or you call them Team Ohio candidates. On this, I even posted this little graph on my. Um, on my webpage, outlining all 33 uh, Senate districts and the male and the female choices for each. I just talked to uh, Tom Zawistowski about that, and I said, you know, your list is not. He just put out uh, the the uh, 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 conservative, or I'm sorry, OhioCitizensPack.org endorsement list, and it's not identical. One would think that, you know, like-minded people would see the same kinds of things the same kinds of way, but, you know, as I said to him, people of goodwill can disagree on a few things here, and the lists are not identical with one another, but uh, he said that's largely because he didn't make all of the choices himself. He delegated a little bit to five, six, seven, eight different conservative groups to see what theirs were, and if somebody got the majority of endorsements from that group of conservative activist organizations, then he went and put their name down, and that might account for some of the differences on this list. What say you about how the people should pick, uh, you know, the true reformers, the true um, constitutional-minded Republicans, rather than the rhino Republicans that we have far too many of in Columbus right now? Sure. Uh, well, all I can say is, first off, 
What Tom said is absolutely true. What we're fighting for is the ability for like-minded individuals to disagree on, on things and still be able to participate in the, pro- in the program, in the, in the uh, process. So it's great. I, I think it's, it's amazing that you know, we're looking at two very closely aligned uh, entities and groups and people, uh, and maybe we have a couple of disagreements, but that's okay. You know, that's, that's what's supposed to happen in, uh, in a democratic republic like we have. Um, but that being said, you know, what we focused on when we looked at candidates and we spent a lot of time looking through all of the candidates that filed, and, and as you know, Bob, with, with our good buddy uh, Maureen O'Connor uh, screwing around with redistricting, who was filed in certain districts moved because the districts moved on them. Uh, but once that happened, we just looked at, at some really high points, and that was, are you willing to vote to change out leadership in a, in a way that will provide a robust conversation for who the next leader should be uh, without it being handpicked? Um, are you willing to uh, make certain that our bylaws are go through a process to actually get uh, corrected? Because they're terrible. The, the bylaws are, you know, gray area doesn't even account for how, how terrible they are. And are you willing to make some ethics reforms to make sure that the future of the party is as bright as it can be, because right now there is no ethics rules. Um, as long as they were all for those votes, um, and of course there's a couple other minor things, there's going to be some appointments that need to be made, and we want to make sure that the majority uh, is able to uh, add to their majority by bringing on more conservatives from these appointments that will happen. As long as those candidates were willing to be part of that program, then we were willing to, uh, bring, to entertain and endorsing them, and that's how we came up with our list is going through each of these races and do that. And then also, you know, we have a lot of friends on the ground and trying to really figure out where uh, Team Paducic, Team Define recruited, what, what they were trying to find, who they were trying to uh, put in place and make sure that those were not our people. And it was, it was always sort of tough. And, and you, know, you rely on, just like Tom said, you rely on the intel you get on the ground to make sure that we don't know. I don't know personally most of these candidates, uh, but I know a lot of them, and I know a lot of the people who have vouched for them, and we feel really good about the uh, the Team Ohio candidates that we put in place. You know, uh, one of the things said, you know, uh, that uh, – go ahead, Shannon, finish your thought. I was going to say, you know, a testament to it, you know, Tom's uh, list and ours is almost identical. So it, it obviously uh, – we're, we're really close. Yeah, there are definitely not a lot of huge differences there. There are some, uh, as we pointed out. But um, what I also wanted to point out is somebody pointed out to me when they saw this list on my webpage uh, that not every district district is represented in your team Ohio candidate uh, a candidate's endorsement list. Not every district district is represented by both a male and a female. Sure. For example, in fourteen you have female Gloria Martin, you do not have a male. In sixteen you have a male Jeff Hatcher, you do not have a female that you recommend or or endorse. In twenty one, you have a male Joe Miller, but no female. Twenty two, you have a male Bill Heck, but no female. So in some of these, there's no endorsement being made at all. Can you explain why that is? Oh sure, yeah. So um, same thing that happened. It really helped us in this in the way that the maps ended up. There ended up uh, being multiple districts, and you're, you're bringing up a handful of them where there wasn't a conservative that was actually filed. It just didn't happen. Um, you know, there, there was a couple. There was 14 districts where we feel that no matter who wins in those 14 districts, those 14 seats, that is, they're going to be with us regardless. So conservative against conservative or uh, only one person in the, in the district. 
So when there was a circumstance where there was no conservative that we saw uh, in there that had filed, then we just didn't list it at all. Um, you know, the perfect example is you brought up uh, Gloria Martin. Uh, Gloria Martin was the uh, was the one race where you know we we obviously Gloria is unopposed in uh, in the 14th district down in southern. This is in uh, Cincinnati area. There's several other candidates. There was no clear. Uh, good uh, choice there on the male side, so we just uh, decided that that wasn't one that we were going to endorse it. Well, uh, another one is 33, that, where you mentioned Rick Barron, of course, is running uh, to unseat uh, David Johnson, but there's no female there either. I don't know what the situation there is. Yeah, so the situation there is that you have Monica Rob. This is actually a really good opportunity for us once we win. Uh, Monica Rob Blaisdale is running for state representative. Now, this was a, a trick that Fiducic did across the state in a couple times. He wasn't successful because of the way redistricting happened. But um, they, they recruited somebody to run for state central committee that was already running for another office. Right. So in this case, uh, Monica Rob Blaisdell is running for state rep. Um, so when she wins, then she's uh, going to win in that district for state representative. When she gets sworn in, she'll have to resign from the state central committee. So, so she'll actually be able to win uh, unopposed on Tuesday, and then come January she'll have to resign, and the majority will then be able to appoint a uh, a replacement for her uh, position. Um, and you know that, that's a it's a great trick, right? You know, it makes it difficult. No one's going to run against her because she's literally has a significant budget as uh, and and well known as state representative. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those other pieces where the party should not be putting. Up a, uh, you should not be able to run for state central committee when you're on the ballot as a state rep. It's just a clear, uh, you know, it, there's no rule against it, of course, but if there should be a rule against that, and that's one of the great examples of what we need to fix in the party. Yeah, no question about it. So um, we'll just uh, underscore it again the same way you did, the same way Tom did about getting out there. It may be 4%, 5%, 6%, 7%, either way. Uh, it's going to be these, most of these races are going to be decided by the hundreds. Um, you know, maybe in some extreme cases by the dozens. Who knows? Uh, but not by the thousands. Uh, so every single vote matters. If you're paying attention, look at Shannon's list. If you see a difference between his and Tom's list, make your mind up for yourself there. Maybe ask, send an email. How come this is different? How come that one is different? Again, there's, uh, there's, it's okay to disagree. Uh, people who are like-minded can disagree about one or two of these races, but make your best uh, judgments and don't go to the 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 uh, uh, precinct tomorrow without the knowledge of who the true reform and uh, uh, you know true uh, transparent candidates are. The ones who are trying to fix the very broken Ohio Republican Party and the State Central Committee. That's right. So. Uh, Shannon, Shannon, your list is on your webpage, which is shannonburns.com, right? Uh, G- shannonburns.gop is oh, where my website is. And, and I'd be Sorry. remiss if I just didn't mention uh, a couple of the candidates that are in, me- in the immediate uh, uh, listening area, right? Okay. Obviously, myself, I'm, I'm running in, in the 24th district, but you've got uh, Gene Anderson and Mike Witt running in the 13th district, which is the Lorain County area. Um, You've got Jack Boyle and Denise Verde who are running in the 18th district, um, which is, you know, Eastern Cuyahoga County and all of Lake County. Mm-hmm. You know, those are some candidates that just need to win. And we win all of those. We're going to pick up uh, almost enough seats to take the majority just there alone. Uh, uh, I had Jack on last Northeast week. Northeast Ohio. 
Yeah, I had Jack oh, on last week but, about that, and uh, and I concur. Uh, very important to vote for him, and, uh, and 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 really for everybody in our listening area, and anybody who might be listening across the state uh, online or something. Uh, take a look at Shannon's list at his webpage. Take a look at Tom Z's list, the OhioCitizensPack.org uh, list of endorsed candidates, not just for Central Committee, but obviously for State House and the uh, Senate races as well. Um, extremely important that you go in there armed with the knowledge of uh, who the right reformers are. Uh, Shannon, thank you for what you do. I appreciate it. Uh, you put in Yeoman's work here on this thing to, to try to try to make this change. I know they're coming for you. They're sending a lot of dirty mailers out about you, trying to accuse you of, <laughs> of all kinds of things. And when you're willing to put yourself... They said I'm part of the swamp. Yeah, right? <laughs> and when you're willing to put yourself and your reputation on the line like that to do what's right, obviously, uh, and they come for you, you're doing it right. So, uh, Shannon, thank you. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, Bob. Right, Take you care. Got it. You got it. You too. 1127, uh, take a time out here. We'll take it to the newscast. And on the other side of the news, finally, a chance for you to be heard. I told you we had back-to-back-to-back-to-back guests today. Four of them, because the election day is tomorrow in this primary, and it is that important. So now if you want to get in, 216-901-0945, right here on Always Right Radio. you informed among the uninformed always right radio with bob france on the answer Eleven thirty-six. final segment of this monday morning we've been loaded up if you missed any of the interviews you're gonna have to go back and you really should go back particularly to the last two because they affect you tomorrow uh maybe today if you're going by your uh, local uh, state, uh, county board of elections and you're going to cast an early ballot but uh Election day is tomorrow in this primary. We talked to Tom Z and talked to Shannon Burns, and both of them had a lot of very important stuff to say about this uh, primary uh, for the um, state house, for the um, Senate, state senate. There's some important races there, uh, and then of course for the state central committee. So if you missed any of the interviews, you're going to want to go back and check them out. They'll be at uh, uh, alwayswrite.us and on whkradio.com. All right, I'm going to take some time to get a phone call or two or three in here if we can. So 216-901-0945. We've been so packed with guests from Jordan to Patrick Wood to uh, Tom Z to Shannon Burns. We haven't had a chance to take phone calls today. So if you want to squeeze a few in before we give it over to Bill O'Reilly for the top of the hour, then we can do that now. 216-901-0945. Let's go to Milton, who is in Beechwood. Hi, Milton. Thanks for your patience. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. I want to make a couple of points. By the way, I'm 97 years old, and my vote is already in for tomorrow's uh, voting. You're 97? But, you don't sound I, 97. I mean, I wouldn't put you at a day past 96. Yes, I'm certainly blessed <laughs> to be around, and I'm a very good, you know, very concerned, very uh, frightened about what's going on. Wow. And I want to make two points. Uh, I listen to Bill Livingston. Are you familiar with that name? Um, the only Bill Livingston I'm familiar with. WTAM every Sunday night. The only trouble is he's on so late. He's on like midnight. Is, is he the um, is he the f- former sports reporter for for uh, for Cleveland the Plain Dealer, Bill Livingston? Well, Bill Livingston, what he said is that Paul Ryan is ahead of J.D. Vance right now in the uh, Youngstown area. 
That's yeah. terrible. Yeah, you mean Tim Ryan. You mean Tim Ryan. And, um, yeah, Tim Ryan is out yes. in front. He's out in front because he's spending a ton of money on advertising at a very early. He's he got started more money. doing this back in May. Yeah. He's, yes. he's got a ton of money. He's spending a ton of money. It's not his, per se. It's not as if he's so popular that he's raising this money on his own. The Democratic Senatorial Committee is raising just huge amounts of money, and they're distributing it to races like this one. So he's got a big you know fundraising edge over jd vance right now and he's spending it he's on tv all over the place jd vance hasn't even begun a media campaign yet because the campaign isn't run or isn't won rather in uh, july and august it's going to be one in october and early november you know and he said that you know vance people say where is he he's like hiding what's his name is uh, paul ryan is going around to the uh, the uh, carnivals and all the state fairs where is it jd vance he He's, you know what he said, if I may quote exactly what he said, he said he's going to, he needs a kick in the ass. Excuse me, but that's what he quoted. No, you that's, know, o- that's said, okay, Milton, and everybody has an opinion on that, and I'm okay with it. But but he here's said, what he, I would J. say. J.D. Vance is not doing enough. He should get out there. People wonder where he is. Well, here's what I would say in response, and I thank you for the call, Milton. God bless you, and God bless you, by the way, for being 97 and vital and active, as it sounds like you are. God bless you for that. That is literally uh, amazing to me. I hope I can be as as active and as uh, and as energetic as you sound right now. So, Tim Ryan um, has the money, and like I said, is being more active on that from that standpoint. He is spending a ton of money on media, and uh, and JD Vance is not right now. Do not think that that is going to be the the way this race is run through through August and through September and through October. There are there are a hundred days now. Uh, and I firmly believe that J.D. Vance is going to start doing the same kinds of things that he did in the primary election. Now, I will caution and say this, because I talked about this, I'm going to say, three weeks ago, when I talked to J.D. Vance, in fact. Now, I talked to him again just like three days ago, but I talked to him prior to that about three weeks, maybe a month ago, and I said, hey, Ryan's out there running a ton of ads, trying to make himself look more than moderate, trying to make himself look like a Trump America First candidate, what are you doing? How come we don't see you? And we talked about it. There's a strategy there. And I said to him, I said, you know, this can't be run the same way that the primary race race was won because or run and won because, you know, it's just you it's one on one. This is you and one other guy. This isn't you against a field and you can let the field beat each other up a little bit and then you come in at the last minute with a push and a Trump endorsement and win. And he said that's not what he's doing at all. But this is different when it's one-on-one. Um, and he said th- he knows when and where he needs to be. And he is a lot more visible than people want to admit. It's just that most of it isn't on TV. He's visiting cities. He's visiting communities. He's giving speeches uh, uh, all over the state of Ohio. So he's not hiding in any way. He's doing a lot of media interviews like mine, the one he did with me, more than he is that the media television ad buys. So he's out, and he's doing what he's got to do, and I think that, again, this race is going to be won, run and won more in September and October and in the first week of November than it's going to be uh, in uh, in June, which is when Tim Ryan started buying TV ads, or July, or now that we have flipped the calendar into August. So, Milton, thank you. I appreciate it very much. Uh, Chuck is in Cleveland next. Hi, Chuck. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob, a uh, question for you. Yes, sir. Don't all members of Congress... They have to take an open office to swear that they will uphold the Constitution? Sure. Everybody in federal office does. Okay, sir. So how can they come after our First and Second Amendments? 
Well, I mean, you know, it's a matter of uh, it's a matter of how they view their oath and how they view the Constitution. If they view that the Constitution and th- and you know, your your question is about the Second Amendment, I'm sure, because uh, they just passed that uh, that assault weapons ban uh, on the House. But those who passed it or those who voted for it, rather. Uh, would probably look at it and say, my oath is to uphold the Constitution and protect and serve the people, and I think it's a service of the people if I get these weapons off the streets. Um, I think they're wrong, but that's what their oath is. There's no, uh, uh, there's no singular definition of what it means to uphold the Constitution. Um, there are people who disagree with certain tenets of the Constitution. There are people who write things into the Constitution that aren't there. Like, for example, Roe versus Wade made it a, a right to have an abortion, which, of course, is not in the Constitution. Um, so, you know, the answer to the and thank you for the call, Chuck. The answer to the question is, is there are very different definitions and versions of what it means to uphold the Constitution. And if they vote to ban, you know, weapons or if they vote to uh, assault weapons, as they call them, and if they vote uh, on things that take away our First Amendment rights, I think they ought to be drummed out of the Congress. So I'm with you. Uh, you know, if if they truly are not upholding the the Constitution, they should be booted from the Congress. But like I said, there are different manners of determining what is upholding and what isn't upholding, and it's up to the voters to decide whether they want them to continue on or not. You got people like Nancy Pelosi who's been in Congress for how many decades now? You got people like Joe Biden who's been in public office for for five decades. You know, and in my mind, they don't uphold the Constitution with some of the things that they do and they decide. But the people who, you know, elect them, you know, Biden from Delaware as a senator before, of course, the presidency and, and Nancy Pelosi from San Francisco, the people who, um, who, who live and vote in those districts have to make those decisions as to whether or not they think that they are upholding the Constitution. So that's going to be it, my friend. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks to everybody. Great conversations with four great guests, and I certainly appreciate your attention to those. It's important to vote tomorrow. If you are not planning to vote in this uh, second of the two primaries, change your mind. Get out there and do it. Every single vote is going to matter. Kirsten now joins me tomorrow as well. We'll see you then, everyone. Let's say this together now, can we? Let's go, Brandon. Beautiful. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 